As we endure the circumstances of the coronavirus pandemic and its repercussions on how we live our day-to-day, such as moving all schooling online and the recessive economy we're facing, we want to dive back into these conversations that we began in November of 2019 around the many factors that play into the future of work. We can use them as a foundation for navigating the changes amidst us now, as we learn what the new challenges are, and continue to partner and come together in their solutions as employers, policymakers, and educators. So I hope you listen to these few episodes with a fine-tuned ear for what we can do now as we better learn to navigate this challenging and changing landscape. New episodes to feature interviews addressing our current situation and new projections regarding the future of work are in production and will be available in the coming weeks for your listening enjoyment anywhere you get your podcasts. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. This episode is a deep dive discussion with Maria Salinas, President and CEO of the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce, and Shanu Weber, Vice Chancellor of Economic and Workforce Development of California Community College's Chancellor's Office. The discussion is led by Salvatrice Kumo, not only the host of this podcast, but also the Executive Director of Pasadena City College Economic and Workforce Development Department. This discussion distills the many topics breached in our previous episodes, like necessary system changes and integration, and discoveries such as the modern workforce being driven by data. Which brings us to this question. What is the biggest problem we are trying to solve? All right, well, help us make sense of all of this. I've asked two leaders to come uh, and chit-chat with us and sit with me for a bit to talk about really their own perspective on the future of work. These two ladies are instrumental in the work that we do. Please help me welcome Maria Salinas, President and CEO of the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce. Come on in. Thank you. And a member of the Governor Newsom's New Future of Work Commission. Yes. And Shenny Weber, our Vice Chancellor of Economic and Workforce Development for the California Community College Chancellor's Office. Please help me welcome them both. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us. I think we'll start off just real quickly, talk about just a brief intro of 
your area of expertise and the organizations you run, and then we'll, we'll go from there. We'll do a little chit-chat. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Maria Salinas. I'm the president and CEO of the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce. Going on my second year with the chamber, I have a private industry background, having been in finance uh, with Ernst & Young. I worked at the Walt Disney Company for many years. I held my own business before starting here at the chamber. The chamber is the lead advocate for businesses. We are a regional chamber. We consider ourselves covering five counties. A lot of the issues that we tackle go beyond L.A. County, so we definitely take a regional focus to what we're doing. We have over 1,500 members. Our membership is something I'm really proud of with not only businesses, but uh, nonprofits, educational institutions, and really uh, a broad cross-section from across the business community and just the community here in Los Angeles. I'm really happy to be in Pasadena. It's my hometown, so thank you for having me. Thank you. Do you want to share your role, a little bit about your role on the Future of Work Commission a little bit? Yes. So in September, or I guess it was late August, I was appointed to the governor's new commission, the Future of Work. That commission is looking not only at the landscape of work today, but what that could look like in the future. What I like about the commission's focus is that it's not just about technology. It's about some of the real challenges that we're facing today, whether it's low-wage work or you know, increasing the number of participants into the work field. So I'm really excited on be, of being on that uh, commission. And in fact, we've defined six meetings. Excellent, excellent. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me here today. And I want to thank Pasadena City College for hosting this uh, conference and, and this conversation. This is important because I think change happens and it starts with ideas and conversations that lead to action. And so these conversations are, are important for us to be having, and this is the time to do it. I'm Shani Weber. I'm the Vice Chancellor for Workforce and Economic uh, Development at the California Community College's Chancellor's Office. I oversee about a billion dollar in a portfolio of economic and workforce development programs, including Strong Workforce, K-12 Strong Workforce, Adult Ed, Apprenticeships, Perkins, uh, nursing, and a few other miscellaneous areas. And I've been in my position for about 10 months now. I came uh, 18 years from the uh, from Long Beach City College. So I do have the community college on the ground uh, experience and, and perspective, which I think sometimes at the state level, there isn't a, a lot of that just because of the nature of a state agency. And we're trying to change that and bring in more community college perspective. Marty and I work very closely together, and, and that's always top of mind for us. Thank you, thank you. We have some really strong key takeaways throughout the day today, and I think that that might help us inform our conversation right now. And some of those key takeaways were talking a lot about system changes, about system integration, about education really being forced to look at new and innovative models of teaching. We also talked a little bit about, as I frantically took notes, so I did my homework, we, <laughs> and we really talked a lot about the modern workforce is driven by data, it's task-based, it's fluid and dynamic, and it's more interconnected than ever before. 
And a lot of those key takeaways really came from the conversation about millennials and their place in the work and really what is driving the future of work, although future of work is now, it's not out there as, as one of our panelists mentioned. But when we take all of these into consideration, these variables into consideration, these pain points, these challenges, opportunities, whatever we want to call them, you know, what would you say is a true problem that we're trying to solve here? You know, are we really trying to solve a systems problem or are we trying to solve an awareness problem? What would you say is one of the biggest problems we're trying to solve here? Yeah, I think of it, you know, obviously I'm coming at it from the business perspective and, you know, the conversations that uh, we're having with business organizations, I think, and not so much looking at it from the educational lens, but uh, certainly what we are trying to do is ensure that there's a workforce that is job ready. And if I look at the conversations that we have with multiple business organizations, it's always with that lens of how do we make sure we have the workforce that is prepared and ready for not only the jobs that I have today, but the jobs that will evolve in the future. Mm -hmm. So no one is saying this job's going to go away today and we're going to have a different job tomorrow. There's an evolution, and I think sometimes we miss that in the conversation, that things aren't going to go from, you know, zero to 100. 100. Uh There's an evolution process. So that means there's a different type of mindset when you're looking at the workforce and who's coming in and job readiness. And I heard a little bit about the conversation earlier in the earlier panel talking about soft skills and, Mm -hmm. you know, what does that mean? You know, from a business perspective, there is definitely employers that are looking to solve that uh, challenge for them of how do they find a workforce that is ready for the jobs that they have or the jobs that will evolve within their organizations. Okay. Thank you. Shani, what about you? What do you think are some big problems we're trying to solve here within your organization? So I think it's We're trying to solve similar problems, probably just coming at a different um, perspective. The problem we're trying to solve from a community college systems and our state level is the issue of economic mobility, making sure that our students are work and world ready because we are the fifth largest economy in the world, and then also preparing them for the future of work. To do that, I mean, that's a, that's a, a, a big, right, a big problem there. It requires a lot of different thinking requires us to do things differently and come at things differently, which is why you're seeing a lot of the changes going on at the state level. You know? and, and one of the things that we're trying to get at is as you see these changes come down, you've seen the uh, student-centered funding formula, right? That's, that's trying to fundamentally change the way we think about butts and seats versus chasing impact. Right? We're, we're at a point in time where we're moving from inputs, which is just you know, a certain set of activities and checking boxes, to impact. How are we really affecting students and how they enter the workforce and how they continue to be ready and adaptable and, and continue on their journey in their careers, how we partner with industry and how we talk about the career paths, and, and having students become lifelong learners, mm-hmm. right, which changes the way our system operates. Mm-hmm. So I'll just stop there. 
Yeah, no, that's that's perfect because when I think about ultimately there's a there's a unified thread here, right? We're all on the same page that this is the, really the problem we're trying to solve. But I think that the, really for me and and for others that were on the panel, what truly what truly triggers what truly keeps me awake at night, to be quite frank with you, is the agility and the flexibility that we have to respond. And so we know that there's a supply and demand, yet our systems do not allow us to be that flexible and that agile to be responsive. Having said that, I would, I would assume that both of you agree, yes, yes that, yes. that our response time is like, you know, <laughs> um, but, but we have to really try our best to try to, to start simple, simplifying our systems and getting our systems to talk to employers, academia, and policy that we're all together. But would you say that perhaps maybe how we as a state are funding appropriately uh, to appropriate outcomes? Should we really reexamine and take a look at what we are funding and what we're not? Or is it a taking a look at how do we incentivize businesses how are we getting them to be more engaged? Mm-hmm. How do we get them to be aware that talent is really here? How do we get them to open their doors so that our faculty and that you know our staff can go in and really study high-performing companies and bring it back to the community college? For, for me, you know that, I think, is where rubber meets the road, and we can start making some real beautiful impacts. But tell me a little bit about how we get that machine going. How do we start incentivizing? What, what will it take? I, I think it's a combination of all of that that you just mentioned. It can't be one-sided. Mm-hmm. I think, for example, in my role with the chamber, we work closely with the community colleges within the L.A. area and you know, have very close connection with the type of programs. In L.A., the chancellor has come to visit to say, you know, here are all the certification programs that we have at the community colleges that, you know, are, are specific to industries. We need to have that conversation on a broader scale, on a bigger scale. But I consider the community colleges as a partner with the chamber. Mm-hmm. Because if we have businesses that are trying to understand, you know, where do we find talent or where do we go to ensure their certification programs or what have you, if we're not connecting them to the community colleges and we're missing out on the talent that is here mm-hmm. to what you just said. Yeah. And, you know, to take it one step further, you know, what keeps me up at night, because we are the fifth largest economy in the world, and in Southern California, depending on who you talk to, we're about the 14th largest, we have to have complete participation Mm -hmm. of all our members, Mm -hmm. you know, students, uh, adults that are in the educational system, and Shame on us if we can't figure that out to ensure that we have that full participation. I think for the chamber to be able to lead on in bringing those businesses to the table to understand where they can connect, and then maybe for the the state governments uh, to offer those incentives Mm -hmm. and for us to, to know where we can tap into things, I think that's important as well. So I kind of see it as a a combination, mm-hmm. you know, in a collaborative way of addressing it from all different angles. Thank you. So I do want to acknowledge that our system is underfunded. We all agree on that. At the same time, though, our system is at a level of unprecedented funding with 
some really recent investments, huge investments that have been made into our system. And the, if you think about this, the, the investment that's been being made, it's to help us work differently, be yes. more nimble, and yes. be more responsive. Mm -hmm. What keeps me up at night is how do we maintain that relevancy? Yes. And, and also, as community colleges, we have incredible power and assets that we're not activating and utilizing. I mean, community colleges, think about it. You know, I think Marty mentioned that earlier in the panel that we are one of the largest employers in our communities. We also are, you know, very integrated into the fabric of our communities. And preparing uh, students to, for those jobs requiring us to work very differently with employers and to look at how career pathways inform the education pathways, which is what a lot of the panelists talked about, starting first with industry. At the same time, we have this incredible power I don't think that we've harnessed and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Yes. If you're talking about the future of work, one, one facet of it, it's not all technology, but one facet of it is, is technology. And you cannot uh, discount what artificial intelligence is doing mm -hmm. uh, in how it's changing the way we live and how it's changing our jobs. And it's just changing a lot of things, how healthcare works, how we cure cancer, how we change transportation patterns. I mean, you can go on and on, right? And even in our daily lives. The, the challenge with that, though, if you think about it, right, the technology is incredibly, incredibly powerful. There is uh, a huge discussion about the ethics of, of AI, and, and where the power sits with AI, yeah. right? Yeah. You have a situation now where data is more valuable than oil. But if you think about the big tech companies that control AI and how they're designing everyday applications for the users and that workforce, mm -hmm. that workforce is not diverse. Right. They haven't been able to move the needle. Mm -hmm. And you have this group of, of engineers that are designing for a user base that's incredibly diverse. And you've got, a, you know, we've heard about the audits that were done on facial recognition, where there is, there's really a, an issue where, the, you know, white faces are better recognized that, than people of color. Why is that, mm. right? Mm. Those are all issues that we haven't addressed. But think about it as community colleges. We have the most diverse student body. We have the ability, if we choose to really focus our energies and effort to produce and solve the tech worker shortage. And if we begin to remove that barrier and put out incredible uh, IT workforce to populate all of those uh, positions, the engineers, the social scientists, and all of these different um, individuals in all these tech companies that design, you know, these are gatekeepers. They're designing applications, they're designing usage of data and interpretation and analytics that impact our lives, but there's not enough racial literacy in that workforce population. So, and if you think about the population of our students, we have the ability to really change that. I think part of the challenge we have is how do we organize ourselves, mm. right? Sometimes we get very attached to our, our processes and our bureaucracy and our politics, yes. and so we can't get beyond that. Yes. But fundamentally, you know, what I worry about is it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we're experiencing now with this incredible... Um, 
the, the changes in climate and all the wildfires, right? Yeah. And, and the talk years ago about climate change and all of that and people not yeah. believing it. And then right. you, you live it and you go, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, there is global weirding <laughs> if you don't believe in global, you know, warming. warming. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But, but, you know, if you get yep. caught up, once yep. you live it, you yep. begin to see, oh, you geez, you know, maybe I should have paid attention earlier. And, and so this is, this is kind of, you know, one of those facets that I think mm-hmm. about, you know, how do we begin to change the dynamics of society? Because we have incredible power. We have the diversity of workforce. And our students are incredibly talented. Yes, they have a lot of barriers. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where these conversations are important to really bring everyone together to figure out how to support our, our students and be able to, to unleash that power. I'm going to jump in here because I think uh, you're absolutely right about that in terms of the workforce that is here, specifically in the community college systems that are here. You all have heard of Silicon Beach, Mm -hmm. yes? So 10 years ago, there was no Silicon Beach, or if it was, it was just like a a dot on on a map anywhere. That is a very, speaks to the emerging tech industry here in the Los Angeles area. When you think about it, those companies up in the Silicon Valley chose to relocate here in Los Angeles and built up Silicon Beach on the west side primarily, but there are hubs throughout Los Angeles. But one of the big drivers for moving from Silicon Valley down here was our workforce was the fact that, you know, here in the Los Angeles region, we have more colleges and universities than even in Boston, which is supposed to be a college town. So the workforce is a, was a big driver for that. And today, to many companies that move here, it's all about the workforce. But you are right. We have to make sure that that diversity of our students that are sitting here, that they have the opportunity to tap into that growing industry sector. So that that as those companies grow Mm -hmm. and move this economy, that they're tapping into that workforce that's here and that they're not importing it. So I think that's why it's so important to what you're saying, that we need to make sure that we make it easy, that we have systems in place. And I think this morning you might have heard from Lindsay, who's with the chamber, who heads up the LA Tech Talent Pipeline Program. And that's what we're trying to do with the chamber, Mm -hmm. is to create a pipeline for community colleges and for students who are marginalized, they're homeless, or they have some other barriers that they're trying to overcome to ensure that they are also having those opportunities mm-hmm. with these companies that are growing right here in Los Angeles. So, you know, to your point that we need to be, make it easier and we need to tap into that, I couldn't agree more with you on that point. I think there is a way for us to work together to do that. And I think I'd also like to add that we don't have much time to make those to make those significant changes. When we really take a look back at history, some of our largest technological leaps, you know, we go way back into mechanization, then electrification, then computerization, and now we're into robotics and AI, speaking on Shenny's point, where society and workers really had to adapt to the company's demands. What sometimes took, you know, 50 to 100 years to get it done, now, like, we're in a real time crunch here. We've got maybe about 15 years to really make this work, and we're pretty far in it. So I think the question comes now, 
is how do we bridge that divide, right? Like, how do we bridge that divide between industry and us? Is it more conversation? Is it making some radical changes? If so, what are those radical changes? Catch the answer to Salvatrice's question about how we bridge the divide between industry and education in the second half of this compelling conversation about the future of work. And next time, we get to hear from you and the questions you asked while in the audience if you attended this event last year. So stay tuned for the rest of this episode coming up next. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear from you too. Leave us your thoughts and review and remember to rate us. Thanks for listening.